Well, if you have your Bibles, if not, Brandon's going to hopefully have it up there on the, the screen, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 16 this morning. Um, true confession, as some people like to say, true confession. I had this given to me around Tuesday, Wednesday, right around that time, and I read through it and I said, Lord, why? I, I, why this passage? Because at first glance, I'm like, I don't want to do it. It doesn't really make sense in, in light of everything that's going on. Why this chapter? Why these verses? And then I even went one step further. I went to one of my commentaries that I like to use, and I, I was looking at it, and right at the top it says, this is one of the more difficult parables to teach through in all of Luke. And I'm like, all right, great. If that's not enough, you know. And I, I was struggling with it. But I got to tell you, as I kept working through it and, and studying it more this week, and I had to study a little bit harder than I normally do, the layers and the depth of this parable and the teaching that Jesus is doing here is amazing. I'll just say, it's amazing to me. It just has on so many different levels. And again, we know that Jesus was a great teacher. We, we, we don't doubt that. But it made me appreciate that part of it, that he was teaching to two very different groups who are about as far apart at that point as you could be, yet he's teaching to both of them, and yet he's still teaching through this parable to us today. So that's where we're going to look at it. And Luke is a little unique. Luke's the only one that has this parable kind of set up this way. Um, as you know, Luke's one of the Gospels. Um, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, are different. There's some differences in there. They call them the synoptic gospel um, but I liken it to, maybe you've heard this illustration before, but I'm liking it to like when there's a car accident, right? When there's a car accident, the police officer arrives, and what does he do? First thing he does, he starts an investigation, right? And he asks the people involved, and then he's also looking for eyewitnesses, right? You know why he does that? To get a a broad spectrum of the truth, right? Because from every person's perspective, it's a little bit different. If you're in one car, it's one perspective. If you're in the other car, it's another perspective. We know that, right? And who's at fault? That's always the, the first thing you're trying to figure out, right? Then the police officer arrives and he looks at it and he has his years of experience. He's gone to many accidents. He looks at it and says, hey, there's a, another perspective here, right? And he, he, he looks and he says, well, you know, under normal circumstances, this may have happened he may look at the weather forecast, you know, what else was going on, what other factors. And then if there's a guy getting his mail out by the mailbox, guess what? He sees it from another angle, another perspective. He's not emotionally involved with it at all. He just, he's just watching. He's an instant bystander, and he sees it happen, and he says, oh, maybe that's what happened. Well, the Gospels are kind of similar in that way. They're written by different people, different audience, inspired by God, but with different perspective. And also, they're writing to different audiences, in different times. And again, no matter what instant we look at something, we, we see it from our, our own view or our own grid. And so Luke is no different in this. He has a message for us as he's recording this from other people that have been there in Jesus' teaching. And so he's putting some of that in there as well. And one of the other nice things about Luke is Luke was a Gentile. So he has that perspective. So he helps explain some of the things that you know, as we're not Jewish, we, we sometimes don't always see those things. The other is, because he's a, a doctor by trade, he kind of gives us a little more details. And he fills in some of the blanks with some of those. If you read this account in Mark or say, it would be a little bit different. It would be 
um, it wouldn't have the same technique. Or Matthew, who is Jewish and writing to Jews, totally different way of looking at things. So they understand things. And so as we look at it, it's always good to remember those things to keep it in context. It helps us as we, we work through these passages. And this is chapter 16 is part of Jesus' teachings, and he has two people that are with him as he's teaching. He has the Pharisees, kind of have a taint of view at this point, and he also has his disciples, who he spent a lot of time with. He, they've seen him do miracles. They've been with him, and so they have their perspective. And so he's teaching on these different levels, and different things come out of them. And so he uses this parable, and if you follow along with me, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. All right, first and foremost, he's, the, he's got a master, right? And he's entrusted a servant of his to manage his funds or his accounts. And if you he, if he read between the lines here, guess what? He's going to be get, get fired. He's not been doing a good job. He's, he's done. He's going, to be, he's going to be let go, not to probably be hired back. For whatever reason, he's not doing a good job. And so he's gotten that notice. As it goes on here in verse 3, I'm going to get the story, and then we'll go back and pull it through, but it's good to remember that as you're going through this. All right, so he's, 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 not, he's got to give an account. Why did you do what you do? You did. You didn't do it well. You're going to be fired. The manager said to him, verse 3, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called to in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill Sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. So the servant said, Take your bill and make it 800. Verse 8 The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. All right, I'm going to stop right there because it's a good breaking point. All right, so you have this going on. You have this scenario, right? He's entrusted this, this master. Actually, in, in the parable, and I believe here as well, the master is God, right? Most parables, the master is God. God's the ultimate one. So you put God in this thing, and he's entrusted this manager with taking care of responsibilities. And again, here it's financial. And so this guy's going to lose his job, but he says, all right, I got to try to try to make things as best I can here because I'm going to lose my job. He says, I'm not strong enough to work on my own. I've got too much pride to beg, and so I'm in this middle ground, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go try to make the best out of the situation. I'm going to make friends with those people, right? So he's going to go to them, and he's going to cut their bill down. Some cases, he cuts it in half. I can tell you, I've had to to kind of referee, I call it refereeing, or mediate sometimes with folks, and and sometimes it's it's been financial, and uh, in fact, we had this one um, guy that was having a, a, it was almost a lawsuit. He was, he was trying to avoid lawsuit, but he was having a struggle with the gas company. And there was this bill. He wanted $10,000. 
The gas company only wanted to, to pay 2000 for some wrongful work done. And they were both believers, and, and it had been going on for months and months and months. And so we sat down at a table. There was, I think there was five of us around the table without lawyers, and they'd asked me to sit in on this and try to help them work through it. Can I tell you that when we got done, and we, we worked a while at this, and again, it was just mostly financial, but there was also some hurt and some things going on. Neither one of them left exactly happy, right? right? When, when, when you do mediation, usually, no one gets everything that they wanted, right? No one leaves the room totally happy, but they leave better than they were before they came into the meeting, if it works out. And we were able to settle in the middle. We, between that 10000 and, and 4000 I think we came up around 6000 We kind of met in the middle uh, with some stipulations. And they both left. And it reminds us of this, right? This guy still owes. He's got to pay something. This master's going to get something for this, but he's not going to get the full amount that he could have gotten. But something is better than nothing. So we have that going on. And again, that's one lesson in here. The other, again, it's a matter of perspective, right? The master's going to be happy that he's getting some money because, again, he's already yelled at the servant for not doing his job, and so he's going to get something. So he commends the dishonest manager. Key word here, dishonest, right? This guy wasn't quite above board. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do in his job. You'll see the application of this in a minute. Jesus turns around and starts to explain things with it says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in the dealings with their own kind than are the people of the light. If you're underlining, there's you want to underline this. People of the light. Underline that part right there because that's, that's key to this. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. All right? This is key because this helps us kind of, like I said, there's a couple different levels here. And now we're going to go a little bit deeper, right? And he, he gives us some keys. He's talking about the world, right? How the world deals with things is very shrewd. It's very um, cutthroat, right? Me first and get what I got to get. We, we've watched that. We've watched that with toilet paper just a couple of weeks ago, right? And we make light of it. But again, it was a, a, it was a great example to see what happens, right? When, when people don't think of other folks and they only think of themselves. And you can price gouging, whatever you want, but they're very shrewd with it. But in this parable, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees here in some regards. They've been entrusted with much. But remember, up until this point, the Pharisees have been in charge of the temple, in charge of taking care of the spiritual needs of the people. And guess what? They haven't been doing a good job. In fact, they've been taking from the people wealth. They've been taking favors. They've been unjust in what they've been doing. Ironically enough, we know, because we know the rest of the story, they didn't realize it yet, but they're actually going to lose their job. So what it means, you start looking at this, it's like, wait a minute, this started to make sense, right? They're going to lose their, their job, right? Jesus is the Messiah. He's the last sacrifice. There's no more need for sacrifice, which was their primary income. That's where they were deriving everything from. So how this parable now makes a little more sense when you start looking at it from a little bit different level and a little bit deeper. Yet in this parable, they had an option, right? The, the, the manager had 
an option of what to do, to how to try to make things right or to, to get things better. And I think Jesus actually was giving the Pharisees at this point that same opportunity. Right? I'm here now. You're hearing my teaching. You have an opportunity to stop doing what you've been doing, which has been wrong, and do something that's right. Remember, Jesus cared about the Pharisees. I know we, we kind of we pick on them, and, and, and they do get picked on because of the way they were doing things, but Jesus still wanted the Pharisees just as much as his disciples to come to know him. He died for them just the same as he did for us, and kind of helps keep us in balance there as well. The world deals with it from another perspective, how we deal with things. He says how the world deals with things, right? How truly, right? We've been given to, how do we invest in what God's given us? I want to get a little bit personal now, right? All right, we've been talking about finances, and that's certainly an area we need to look at, how we deal with our finances, what we do with our, our money. That's important too, but what if we took not only the money, but we said, what about our time? What do we do with our time? Do we manage that well? Again, that one, at least for me, I was starting to work on that this week and say, yikes, I don't always do that. You know, most of us have just now been given, whether we wanted to or not, more time. Right? We've been given some more time. Those that are working now may be out of work. A lot of the activities that we had planned or thought we had planned have now been canceled. And now we have some more time. How are we going to manage that? How are we, what are we going to do with that extra, call it extra, extra time? It's time we've always had. It's God gives, you know, everyone gives 24 hours in a day and, and all that. But still, now how are you going to manage that? What are you going to do with that time now that you have? See where this gets personal and kind of gets, kind of digs under? So Jesus asks, he says, so what are you going to do? And he says, he gives us the answer here. He says, I tell you, the world uses its wealth to gain friends. And when it's gone, you will welcome into eternal dwellings. This interesting phrase here, he's, he's kind of saying, as believers, that's what children of the light, believers, we need to also keep things in perspective. And again, we just talked about time and, and money, but are we using those things for eternal perspective? Are we using them in that in mind? And you know what? If we are, it changes how we do things changes how we do things and how we live out our lives as believers. Right? And you can, you can take that in any direction, but what, we, what do we do with it? What do we, how are we doing it for eternal pleasing? Are we investing in the things that God would want us to invest in? Certainly not ourselves, but on spiritual matters. Again, Jesus always pointing back to the spiritual matters. Then he gives us verse 10. It's part of an encouragement here. Because maybe you're already doing those things, and, and it's great. If you are, praise God, continue on. But verse 10 is that, that bit of encouragement. Whoever then can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's the positive, the negative. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. All right? So that's encouragement. If you are doing the right thing, keep going on, because God's going to give you more of it. He's going to help you in that. And again, whether that blessing comes immediately or when we get to glory. It's still important. It's important to God what we do with that, what we do with our, our 
our possessions or our time, things that God's given us. Again, verse 12, and I think he's pointing directly now at verse 12. He's talking right here to the Pharisees, and he cuts right to him. He says, verse 12 says, And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you, you property of your own? Right? He's talking to the Pharisees. God had given them people to minister to. God had given them the resources to do that. It was set up in his law. They were taken care of. Their food was provided for them. They had a place to, to, to worship. They had a, a place of prominence. They were given a lot, but they were mishandling it. And so God's saying, you know what? You're not going to have it for very long. I can't give it to you any longer. You're misusing it. Then he jumps back out here, and I think for the disciples as well, just to remind them, and it's a reminder for us today, verse 13. It says, no servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right? We've heard those verses before, but in light of what we just heard, boy, it really kind of brings it home, right? You can't have two masters. You can't have it both ways. Again, he's talking about idolatry here. If, one of, if we, we don't put God first and we put anything else ahead of them, it's idolatry. You can't have both. You need to be committed to God. And there's a reason for that. He's, he's shown the reason. And again, he's saying you can't serve them both. So it's a warning here. Warning for not only the Pharisees, not only the disciples, but for us here this morning as well. Verse 14, we kind of get the, the, the reason here, and we see who, who kind of takes offense, the response, right? The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneered, were sneering at Jesus, right? Sneering at Jesus, right? That's, that's disrespectful, especially in a, a teacher, but they're scoffing at him, like, oh, you know what you're talking about. And again, it's probably in our language, it's a little bit softer, but it was a major insult in that day especially among teachers, to, to sneer or do that. It's showing great disapproval. We might say today they might yell or slam something, walk out, some show of, no, this isn't true, this isn't right. It's probably much stronger than the language that we have here. But again, they're, they're sneering at Jesus. They're not accepting his teaching. Why? Because Luke gives us that insight. Because they love money. That's why they, were, that's why they were, were having a problem with this. They realize that they're in this story. They realize that Jesus is talking to them. Verse 15, he calls them out, right? Jesus gets tough with them sometimes. Sometimes he hits them with a two-by-four directly. Verse 15, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. valued among men is detestable in God's sight. When I read that the first time, I was like, okay, yeah, Pharisees, they're pointing them out bad. And then all of a sudden, I kind of ran that back through and said, ooh, you know what? It's a good reminder. God knows our heart. He knows what's really in there, in those back places. And you know what? I can be a little more compassionate with these Pharisees because you know what? I've been in that spot myself from time to time, right? I've justified my behavior or justified my acts justified spending money on whatever, or justified my time, how I used it. And so when I look at that, I go, oh, see, 
Woe is me. Sinner no better than the Pharisees, no better than anyone else. And so I got to go back and repent of that and then make changes in my life so that I won't continue to do that. Verse 16 gives us a couple extra things and the compilers and they brought these together and these, these next two verses will, as we close this this morning, just again, just to re- reiterate what was going on at the time and a reminder for us as well. Shows a great value here, and I didn't want to miss these couple of verses. It says, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being easier for and everyone is forcing his way into it. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. That's a little hard to read and hard to understand at first, but really, Jesus is emphasizing the importance of Scripture here. Right? The law and the prophets, that's a reference to the, the word. And even John, they had all the tools. They had more than enough things to know what to do was right. They, had, they, they were equipped. They, they can't say, well, we plead ignorance. We don't know. Especially the Pharisees. They knew. They had it. They had it in their law. But again, as we said earlier, they were misusing it. Their hearts weren't right. Can I tell you today, we have even less reason not to know. Right? We have more scripture than they had. We have more time. We have more history. We have it available to us, certainly, with, with God's word, right? I mean, most of us now, we carry it on our phones. It's an app. Um, it's here in our country. Um, it's amazing. It's up on our, our board, right? It's one of the, the things that we hold dearly. Right? But how often do we read it, study it, I like to say marinate on it, and then put it into practice. So it's a reminder of how important it was. It was important to Jesus, and he's saying that that is going to withstand the test of time. And it has. God's word has stood the test of time already. It's already, it's already been proven. It's still here today. It's still being used. It still applies. No other book or no other writing can claim that, just on that value alone. But it's God's word. He wants us to use it. And so, all that being said this morning, as we're in this time of, of flux and in a time of preparation, probably for what's to come, how are we doing? How are we doing with our finances? How are we doing with our time? Where is our heart in this? Where is our heart in this? Are we where Jesus wants us to be? Right now, for this time, for this period. And then lastly, as we just mentioned, how important is God's word to you? How often are you reading it? How often are you looking at it? And how often are you putting it into practice? So we're all self-questions and self-evaluation. Again, most of us have been given more time to do that. So I would encourage you to do that this week and continue to pray and stay connected your brothers and sisters in Christ. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, do thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you for the time. We thank you for brothers and sisters. We thank you for your word that instructs us, Lord. Lord, help us to be about your business with the right heart. 
Lord, show us those ways and things that we do that are not of you. Lord, help us not to lose focus on you. Maybe focus too much on money or other things, Lord, that distract us and become idols in our lives. Oh, Lord, forgive us for those shortcomings that we have. Continue to do your work in and through your people. Continue to use us for your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.